I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr. here. We got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe to us, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern right here on DraftKings Network, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, as well as the best of Gojo and Golik from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern on VSIN Radio each and every day. Fun one coming up today here. We got our buddy Charlotte Wilder going to join us for a Wilder Wednesday on a Tuesday. So don't adjust your dials. That's on us. That's not on you, but she's going to stop by in the second hour of the show, hang out and talk some NBA with us. We've got the winds of change blowing around the number one overall pick in the draft. We've got some combine quarterbacks looking to make a leap this week. But dad, before we get to that, we mentioned uh, we've got Charlotte obviously joining us here momentarily, but We've also got a new family member joining us around here at Gojo and Golik. We would like to welcome in our new bud, Claudia Bellafato, who joins us now. You've seen her as the betting analyst over at Nesson before on the MLB Network. Claudia, what's going on holding it down in the studio in Boston? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm doing my best, keeping the seat warm for Jessie as hopefully she pops out that baby soon. Uh, excited to be here and hanging out with you I don't want to Baja blast this baby. Yeah. Yes, I would say we're <laughs> still no on baby watch, as Claudia rightly points out. Yeah. We've got no new news about Jesse, about the Baja Blast status of this baby, but uh, we've got Claudia in here, which is going to be awesome. A lot of great sports betting insight, especially uh, uh, from her in addition to everything else that we're going to do around here. So uh, fun to have someone new in the mix around here. Like we said, Charlotte will join in, and they'll make it even better when we get to the second hour here. And in the meantime... We can get to uh, a lot of news that we saw yesterday, guys. Feels like we're watching 2023 on repeat all over again. I had to go and check the date because when I opened up the timeline yesterday and started to see the headlines from ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter about running backs once again in a precarious financial situation oh. in the NFL, I thought I was taking crazy pills. All yesterday, we get the announcements almost copy-paste one after the other that Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs would all be set to become free agents, that their teams would opt to not franchise tag them this upcoming season, and would, in some cases, look to potentially explore a long-term deal if it made sense with the teams. But, Dad, 
a year later now, after what we saw unfolding this season, was any part of this result surprising to you with these backs in particular? Well, I mean, the, the one thing you could do, obviously, because it's such a low amount, if you're looking, if you don't want to tag someone who's going to be a higher amount, we keep talking about like the Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed for the Chiefs situation. It, it's always going to be a low number. I think it's like, what, 12 or 14 million for a running back to tag. But I, I unfortunately don't think that that position has gotten, um, is going to get rich all of a sudden. We just talked yesterday about how the uh, salary cap went up to a record high, $254 million, and will the backs get any of that? And the backs are going to change. You mentioned guys that aren't getting tagged. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard. They're not. Tennessee's not going to tag Derrick Henry. Same Austin Echo is going to be a free agent, as well as DeAndre Swift, A.J. Dillon, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, and others. So you're going to see – the running back musical chairs this year, unfortunately for them, still kind of on the cheap. You look at the last deal that was over 10 mil a year, that was Jonathan Taylor, who did it last year. Before that, Mike, you go back to 2020, when Christian McCaffrey signed the $64 million deal, when Alvin Kamara signed the $75 million deal. Those are your two highest, 16 and 15 CMC and Kamara as far as average annual salary, and then it goes down into the 13s, the 12s. I, I, I don't see big contracts going out. I mean, we, we, we talk, as I said, we talked about it yesterday with the cap. Will guys get bigger numbers because of that? And I just think teams are going to learn how to spread it out more, more than all of a sudden say, yeah, you know what? You running backs have been underpaid, so we're going to start to pay you now. Unfortunately for that position, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I think there's going to be an uphill battle because it's supply and demand issues. So what we've always talked about is running back is a position that has been inundated with a lot of quality guys you've been able to find at varying levels of the draft. And we've got the draft coming up here now. And while I don't know if it's the deepest class ever, there's still some compelling names in here. Jonathan Brooks out of Texas, Trey Benson from Florida State, our boy Audric Estime out of Notre Dame, all of whom are going to be able to come in and I think immediately impact teams in some way and for a lot of these other guys dad they're running into the problem where people are looking at running back and the specific age and kind of this cliff that we see in guys late 20s that's why if we're looking out at this group guys like josh jacobs guys like tony pollard who are only 26 might have some chance i think josh jacobs if there's one guy i was gonna bet was going to find his way to a multi-year payday coming off of this offseason, it would probably be Josh Jacobs, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was right there in Las Vegas considering right. the foundation they're trying to build for a new quarterback that they're breaking in. But, Dad, everyone else now, I, I said this after last offseason, and I think it's going to be true this year, is I'm fascinated to see now what the running backs themselves prioritize. Meaning, all right, these guys, because of what we saw in the league as a trend this year, where running the football had been pretty back as far as a mainstay of a lot of offenses that were successful into the postseason are these guys going to prioritize trying to get still as much money as they can out of the situation which is absolutely their right or are we going to see guys all of a sudden start to pick and choose a little bit and say all right if i can get myself onto a contender if i can be a guy that's in a tandem that doesn't have to shoulder the load of all the carries since i'm not going to be paid like a bell cow and then are we going to see these guys actually find up wind up on some teams and kind of have that christian mccaffrey like effect where hey if you plug one of these high-end running backs into a team like the buffalo bills all of a sudden who knows what else that offense becomes capable of especially from what we saw at the back half of last season I, I agree, and there's a few running backs that fit that mold. And I agree about Josh Jacobs. I think I think he's going to end up back 
uh, with the Raiders. Uh, but the guys like Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, these are three guys who I would think, and again, it all depends on the money. There, Obviously, everybody's looking for as much money as they can get, but three guys right off the top of my head that I could say you want to put on that contending team because what they can do, Derrick Henry gives you such a great you know, running attack, you know, a two-headed monster, a monster, Austin Eckler out of the backfield and what he can do. Saquon Barkley doing them both, running and catching the ball out of the backfield. But, you know, I, I think you'll get, you'll get kind of the, the temperature of the running back position when these guys are free agents because I mentioned a bunch of names. There's a lot of them. So there's going to be a domino effect, right? Some are going to be obviously more expensive than others. But none, I think, are going to have this incredible draw on your salary cap. So um, I, I do think, you know, those ones I mentioned early on will will look to go to contenders. If you're not going to get the big bag, which I don't think they're going to get, you know, why not go to a team? None of these guys have won a title. So and, and those would be the ones I would look at to to add to my arsenal of a contending team. And a reminder, the running back market been pretty stagnant. Like we mentioned, Jonathan Taylor was able to cash in for multiple years this right. last season with that three-year, $42 million extension, which is probably going to be in line with if Josh Jacobs does get a payday, you make it a little bit above whatever the franchise tag was going to be over multiple years. You guarantee the first couple of them and maybe a little bit of extra change while these guys are in the primes of their career. And then unfortunately, after that, it becomes a little bit of a crapshoot where a guy like Derrick Henry, even being considered in this way at 30 years old and going into this portion of his career with as many miles on his body as Derrick Henry has is a gross outlier. That guy's a physical freak. I watched his offseason workout videos. I'm scared as hell. By the way, that was the first person I thought of during the Cam Newton fight video yesterday when all these morons were out here thinking, oh, yeah, scrapping with Cam <laughs> Newton good life choice that I want to make is that we are not that far standard deviation point wise from somebody in public feeling like it's good to fight a Derrick Henry because they're basically the same. Oh. Hell cam is even bigger than Derrick Henry. And yet I would imagine nobody would have the, I mean, just sheer moron built into their DNA enough to try and fight King Henry in public. But at this point, apparently dad, everything's on the table. Yeah, I, that would be I, – well, I saw his workout video, too. I mean, they, 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 come on. I mean, tackling this guy? Terrible. I mean, I had big backs. Probably the biggest back uh, I had to tackle back when I was playing was Christian Okoye from the Chiefs, who was a monster as well. But as I've always said, being on the D-line, you don't catch as much of the brunt from the big backs because they're, you know – they're not building up as much speed yet by the time I would get a tackle. It's when these guys turn the corner, you know, or get to that second or third level that, you know, you start the DB start making business decisions on which way they want to go. You want to you know, dive at the ankles or you want to get yourself stiff armed into the turf. Uh, so it will be interesting there. We'll see what happens. You mentioned, too, the draft with some of the running backs that are out there. You had two in the first round this time around. I don't think that's going to happen here. You know, we talked about Jonathan Brooks, I believe the top rated, and he's coming off an injury uh, as well. So you're going to be able to get better value. And everybody, a lot of people look at Isaiah Pacheco, a seventh rounder, and what he's done in Kansas City certainly helps having Mahomes and the other talent around you. But still, he came in and he took over that job, and he isn't going to give it up for God knows how long. So you certainly can find value at that position as well. So it is, there's a glut of running backs, and we'll see how many spaces there are for all the running backs out there. 
Yeah, it's unfortunately the worst, saddest game of musical chairs out there. I feel for these dudes yeah. because we see yeah. how important they are for teams. Uh, you know, I, they were guys I loved blocking for. Running backs are some of the hardest working people in any organization because of what they're asked to do on a down-in, down-out basis. But unfortunately, we live in an NFL where all of the money, time, and attention is absorbed toward the quarterback position. And Claudia, that's where we got to look next because Peter King, God love him, announces his retirement <laughs> yesterday and gives all of us a parting gift on the way out. Yeah, last call, he wanted to get real poetic with it, guys. So he said that the way that was the way the wind was blowing in terms of the Bears trading away the number one pick and keeping their quarterback. Now, the odds makers, Vegas doesn't know everything, but they have set the lines for this market. So they say the Falcons are the favorite to get fields. The Bears are close at plus 150, but we have to talk about this column. His last one, he just drops the mic and says, this is what I think, it's speculation, but that's just the way the wind is blowing. So where do you guys think the wind is blowing? Is, is he on with this one? Is Peter King right with this? So I saw Dan Patrick talking about this yesterday, and I believe Dan is right. Peter King is not some hot take artist. This is not a guy who's just gonna, I think, right. say this without having some backing and have talked to a bunch of people. We know Peter's been one of the most well-connected journalists in the sport for a long, long time now. And so when he starts supposing out loud about this, I would imagine this is not, and this is no discredit to him, an original idea. This is something that he's heard from enough people to feel like throwing into his final Monday, uh, Monday morning in football piece. Uh, Dad, I, I would look at this and say, and caution everybody to be careful about anything you hear related to Justin Fields and the yeah. number one overall pick right now. We are in smokescreen season, and this pick in particular, given the situation the Bears are in right now, as unique as it is, having a quarterback in Justin Fields who peaked at just the right time for you to increase and maximize his value at the end of the season, and having the kind of draft capital the Bears do right now, I'm sure they would like to make everyone believe everything is on the table for this team to see if somebody gets an itchy trigger, trigger finger with this quarterback class in particular and heading into combine weekend, we know what's about to happen. We're going to have a couple of these guys start to supernova. I'd imagine we're going to have a guy outside of that top three that we've talked about at quarterbacks, all of a sudden start to get a little bit more buzz. And so all of this is really working in favor of the Bears to create mystery around this pick. And I kind of think that's what's going on here right now. Oh, I, I completely agree. But but you do have to love uh, Peter King, the way he goes out. I suppose the Bears are going to trade the top pick. I know nothing, but that seems to be the way the wind is blowing, just what Claudia had said. I mean, it's it's just hilarious to go out that way. Because you said it. He's not a hot take artist. So you wonder why he's going out on this one. That seems somewhat interesting. And, well, I tell you what, though, the, the the amount you could get for trading that pick is certainly way more than the amount you're going to get for trading Fields himself. So that team needs a lot. They started to build around it, bringing in Montez Sweat and signing him in the trade after they got traded. Uh, they got him in from Washington. So you need a lot of pieces, but if you don't have the quarterback – and that's the bottom line. If they don't feel Justin Fields is the quarterback, then they have to move on. That's the only thing. I know you can pick up a lot of pieces with that number one pick, but if you do not have a quarterback, forget everything else. You know, especially if you have, you know, the quarterback in Fields uh, is getting closer to the end of his rookie deal. But if you get a new quarterback, you start that clock over. You have the ability to still build around uh, that quarterback until you have to maybe pay that quarterback if, if he pans out, which is what you're hoping for. 
I, I, I still don't see Chicago hanging on to fields. I see them moving on, Mike. I really do. I see them starting that clock over again. So here's the scenario that Peter lays out. He said, suppose that GM Ryan Poles trades the top pick down one spot to Washington so Washington can come up and take Caleb Williams, who everyone's been linking them to. And then they get a second pick, uh, the second pick in the draft and a second round pick and a 2025 first round pick in return. Then he trades the second pick to Atlanta at eight, moves back there. He gets the right. eighth pick, Atlanta's second round pick, and then a first and second round pick next year. And so all told, Dad, if you looked at that, Chicago would be walking away with three firsts and three seconds over the next two years in addition to their own first round picks where they're picking at nine this year and then again in the first round next year. That kind of capital, the only thing that you could talk me into on this timeline as a reason why the Bears could consider this would be because of the timeline you've now put yourself on with your head coach. Matt Eberflus is walking into this year on some treacherous ground, coming off a season where there was improvement at the end, but there was very real conversation about potentially parting ways with him. And we've talked about how dangerous and detrimental it can be to a young quarterback prospect to bring him in for a coach, to have things only go so well, and the organization decide, hey, we're going to move on from this head coach because we want to maximize our asset in this first round pick. And you begin the same cycle that just ate Justin Fields alive in part. And so if you were to keep Fields one more year, you'd have Fields and Eberflus basically both on a one-year prove-it deal. You would have infinite capital going into next year's draft, and you would then have a decision to make coming off this season. Either Justin Fields and Eberflus both show you, hey, we're worth it, or you get to clean house completely, start anew, and do so armed with enough capital to get whatever you want out of the next draft. The big risk is we have no idea if any of the quarterback prospects next year right. are going to be mentioned right. in the same breath as the guys this year. And so it's, are you comfortable potentially missing out on a franchise caliber guy betting that we get what we usually do where a couple of prospects matriculate their way up, play better in their last year of eligibility, and now give you something to work with. And, and history says that teams aren't going to pass it by. They're, they're, nobody wants, no GM in this case, Ryan Poles, wants to be that guy that says, yeah, we could have had any one of the quarterbacks this year and uh, we could have had that pick and it one turns into a star and we could have had him because we were kind of playing the game because that's what we're talking about, right? They really don't have all the confidence in the world in Justin Fields, but they have the ability to grab a bunch of picks. So you kind of play the, the high wire act of saying, yeah, let's play another year with Fields. His, his completion percentage has gotten a little bit better each year. He threw under 10 interceptions for the first time in, in, in his career. He did that. He does fumble the ball a lot, uh, definitely, but over 2,000 yards rushing. Listen, I like Justin Fields. I know you like Justin Fields. I'm excited to see what he probably does somewhere else. I just do not think that GMs, uh, and I'm not just saying now, I think this is back in the day as well, would pass up this opportunity because it could come back to bite him. That says, you could have had any one of these guys, any one of these guys, and if any one of them turns into a star, you're going to have the finger pointed at you saying, why didn't you take him? I agree. And I think part of that is also self-preservation. Like you mentioned the name in this, that even in the plan that I laid out hypothetically would be the issue is Ryan Poles because there's no guarantee right. if you're the GM who'd be the one planning all this out that you survive to get the higher the next portion of this regime because Brian Ryan Poles is tied in with the success of these guys as well. And so would the Bears decide, hey, we really want a clean house and start new with everybody, new GM, new coach, and new quarterback 
all coming in at the same time, there's no guarantee that you survive. And we know self-preservation is a hell of a motivator around this league and everywhere else. And so I'd be stunned too if Ryan Poles or anyone would sign up with that. I think it's enticing that amount of capital to walk into a draft with that one. Like you said, you've got other needs elsewhere, but I think for the Bears, you mentioned Montez Sweat comes over, defensive front started to look a lot better. Offensive line, you've invested some high draft picks in that group that looked like they were starting to pay off last year. DJ Moore has been a good weapon. You're going to get to add other guys, Cole Komet at tight end. You're going to have other guys that pop up to help out. Your foundation's a little more set than most people would think. And then, it, the, the, you know what the story always is, who has the guts to move up into that top three slot to get a quarterback? Because the last time we saw that, didn't work out so well from the player standpoint when San Francisco went up to get Trey Lance, who's no longer on that team. Yeah, the top three was the big story of last year. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We've got a pretty firm top three this year. But coming up next, one team in the NFL would like you to consider maybe a top four is pretty enticing in the upcoming NFL draft. We'll get to that next on Gojo and Gold. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Go 
Jojo and Golick, Arizona Cardinals fans feeling a little deja vu. Yesterday, the team posted a picture of Kyler Murray with the caption, our franchise quarterback. Now, why is that deja vu? Well, Josh Rosen back in 2019, he enters the chat like, hold on, wait a minute. You guys said this about me. Then head coach Kingsbury said, yeah, that's our guy. That was in February. And then in April, what do they do, guys? Went and drafted number one overall pick in Kyler Murray. So everybody sort of knew this was a lie. And now I'm looking at this post like, is this a lie too? And not that odds makers know, but just so you know, Murray was the minus 600 favorite to go to Arizona. So Vegas saw that tweet and they were like, we don't believe it. And now I'm looking at this tweet and I don't know if I believe it. Do you guys? No, I think the lie detector test has determined that this is a lie uh, in terms of it repeating history. Like, it, it seemed weird, the timing, because there was no extension signed here. It wasn't like they did anything or changed his contract. He wasn't someone they were bringing from the outside looking in. So everyone's wondering, what the hell is the timing on this? And to your point, Claudia, this is a bad relationship history for the Arizona Cardinals, right? The past in a lot of people's minds might have been predictive. It's hard to run from getting memed into oblivion the way that they did. But dad, ultimately, I think this is just the opposite. This is actually, if we're gonna go, um, if we're gonna go love languages here, I think this would be words of affirmation in a way that I'm actually believing from the Arizona Cardinals and more of a signal that, hey, we'd like someone to come up and get this number four overall pick in the draft because we think that you should think one of these other quarterbacks is valuable enough to come up here and give us some fun assets so we can keep building around Kyler Murray. That's my read. What's yours, Dad? Well, listen, my read is every team should do exactly what they need to do to try and fool another team into doing something they don't want to do. I mean, that's, that's what this game is. So you don't believe a word anybody says. I do believe Kyler Murray is going to be the quarterback for the Cardinals next year. I do believe that. He came in and he played pretty well uh, toward the end of the year. Remember, he missed a, he only played, I think, eight games last year coming off the injury from the year before. And we even wondered if he was going to play at all. Because remember, he had that, that same thing that yeah. Denver wanted Russell Wilson to get rid of. Kyler Murray has an injury clause for about $28 million that if he got hurt and didn't pass a physical next year, it would be guaranteed. So we thought, this guy's not going to see the field. They don't want to pay him that. But I think he's going to be the guy there, Mike. Whether that's right or wrong, I, I actually believe he is going to be their quarterback. And what a road. When this guy signed that deal, there was that actual clause the Cardinals, for those that don't remember, the Cardinals put in the clause that he had to do extra studying outside of the facility, X amount, X amount of hours of extra studying. We were all like, what the hell is this? Number one, why is it in a contract? And number two, man, you made it public. So I... It was a stunning move to me by the Cardinals, and it was the Cardinals who ones somebody put it out there because there's no reason Kyler Murray would put that out there. Um, but I, I do think he is going to be the quarterback there. Now, quarterback of the future going on after this year, I don't know. Uh, but I think at least this year he's going to be. Yeah, he's still in the midst of that massive extension, five years, $230 million that he signed back in the spring of 2022 and dad you're right it was a little bit of trepidation there for a while and that was the old regime right that was steve kime still at gm that was cliff kingsbury still at head coach when all of that went on with the homework clause and you had jonathan cannon come in and pew 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 his way into america's hearts and then actually seemed to get the best out of kyler murray in the back half of the season like the most important thing for me dad 
wasn't what we saw on the field, which was actually very akin to the old Kyler Murray for a guy coming off a knee yep. injury to still move the way he did, which has always been such a big part of Kyler's game. Who's been a multi-time pro bowler. In addition to all of this and a guy that played well enough to get one of those contracts, he was extremely mobile. But the most important thing to me was we didn't hear a peep about any of the other stuff. The questions about Kyler Murray no. leadership, the questions about maturity surrounding stuff like the homework clause that led to that, because where there's smoke, there's fire, I'm sure to some extent. And so it does seem like there was some maturing that went on there. Dad, as you were talking, though, the tinfoil hat on me really went on here. Walk with me on this because I felt a little crazy. All right. Everyone knew when that post went up exactly the Josh Rosen post from the last time around here. We all remembered right. that and all immediately went, wait a minute. Does this mean something? What if it did mean something? What if it's actually like a deep state signal to other people that we are open for business when it comes to Kyler Murray and that you should be worried about his future because the tweet last time signal, we are worried about that quarterback's future here. And so this is not a green light for people to come for the number one, number four overall pick. It's actually a green light for people to call them inquiring about Kyler Murray and see if they might like him for their future quarterback. What do you think about that? Well, that would be interesting, but then, but then the question always asked is, okay, is 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 if our quarterback's available, uh, you know, we're we're listening to the phone ring, we'll answer it. What are they doing for a quarterback then? I mean, they're sitting in the four slot out of the top three, which is supposedly going quarterback. So, as we always say, it's the most important position on the field. What is their game plan for the quarterback position? maybe draft J.J. McCarthy at four. I don't know, Dad. I'm just starting to begin. Oh. This is just the wins. You know what? I When in doubt, if I feel uh, like oh. saying something right, that Peter. could be potentially controversial, I'm just going to Peter King it and just say, you know what? The winds are blowing right now, and they're telling me that the Cardinals could potentially be shopping Kyler Murray. That's, I think, going to be the uh, the mode of transportation from now on for the takes. We're going to go with the wind. I, well, listen, Everybody knows out there, don't believe a word. We're going to hear, you're going to hear so many headlines up until the draft that you don't believe. And I believe for me, I, the winds blowing for me say Kyler Murray is going to be the quarterback there and they are going to get him a franchise receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. after the quarterbacks go one, two, three, which it seems at this point that if he's going to be your quarterback, which I think he is, get him more help on the outside, and that would be Marvin Harrison Jr. So after all the smoke is blown everywhere, I think this one settles into what we think it's going to be. Yeah, I am fascinated to actually watch what the Cardinals do in this draft because all jokes aside and the wind blowing aside, I actually think Kyler Murray, if we get more of what we saw last year, now he's going to have a healthy offseason with this entire coaching staff and be able to go through everything that he couldn't last year while he was rehabbing. It looked pretty good, and Jonathan Gannon and what he was able to squeeze out of that team last year. Remember, Arizona was one of the yep. feistiest outs in football at the beginning of the season. Yep. Had that upset win over the Dallas Cowboys that got everyone talking. This is a team that could be playing, and Dad, the NFC West, we talked about this a lot with the AFC North, which is still probably going to be the premier division in football this upcoming season, especially when you add a healthy Joe Burrow back into the mix. But you look at the NFC West all of a sudden. You've obviously got the 49ers fresh off another Super Bowl appearance. The Rams, who I am buying as much 2024 Rams stock as anybody can humanly hold after what we saw from this season. 
you can't give me enough of that stuff right now. I think that team's going to be that good coming up into this season. And you've got Mike McDonald taking over the helm for the Seattle Seahawks with Ryan Grubb at coordinator now and Geno Smith still back under center there. And the Cardinals lurking in the distance where all of a sudden, depending Ah. on how this draft goes in this offseason acquisition period, could at the very least make themselves an average team, which, man, if you throw an average team into the mix with the rest of that group, that division's going to be hell in a cell again like it used to be. I, I agree. Uh, I agree, and that's why I, another reason I, I do think they're gonna, we're going to see what they're going to build with Kyler Murray, with adding a receiver like uh, Marvin Harrison. Remember, they had a first-year uh, uh, offensive coordinator in Drew Petzing last year who came over from Cleveland and didn't really get to work with Kyler Murray, right? Kyler Murray was rehabbing in the offseason. You know, it was Josh Dobbs, it was Clayton Toon that were taking, you know, playing a lot that year, and obviously Kyler Murray played the eight games so now you get that full offseason together where Murray's healthy and can work with the OC, and they can work together now. I'll be interested to see what the numbers are for Kyler Murray going forward as he's not dealing with an injury, as he's just preparing with this OC on what they're going to do this year. But I agree. You know, we said last year they were a tough out. They should be better this year. Yeah, I agree. And Drew Pretzing did a hell of a job, got Kyler Murray under center, did a lot of different things we hadn't seen from him previously in a Cardinals uniform that really started to make it seem like, all right, there could be a really high ceiling for this yet again, like we thought. You mentioned one interesting potential draft pick for them in Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. Coming up next, we'll get to the headlines that he made yesterday about his decision regarding the NFL Combine next on Gojo and Golik. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Indy is bumping once again for the 2024 NFL Combine. And as excited as we all are, some of the top prospects aren't so much. They are going, but they're not participating. And three guys in the top five, including the overwhelming number one overall pick in Caleb Williams out of USC, is saying, no, I'm not going to showcase my talents. Same with LSU's quarterback, Jaden Daniels, and Marvin Harrison Jr., the best receiver of the group that we just discussed. Guys, is this shocking? Like, we've seen it before in the past, and then also my question to you is, what is the thought process that goes through these players' mind when they choose not to do it and do you think it hurts their draft stock so yeah claudia i think the the thought process that goes through a player's mind at this level when they decide that they're not going to participate in this process is i'm so good at my game i don't have to play yours 
it's my favorite thing that shows up at this time of year because all of these guys know no matter what they do in this process, there's nothing left to be gained. They've all done enough. We talk about them as the top overall pick. Marvin Harrison Jr., the unquestioned number one wide receiver for so many people for a long time that, Dad, it just seems like the only thing they can do in this process is hurt themselves at one point or another, either physically with what we've seen in the past, guys getting injured at their pro days or at the combine or what have you, or with their draft status based on how an interview goes or something with the medical evals and stuff. For a lot of these guys, there's nothing more they can do in this process. And so they're looking at it and go, yeah, why am I going to participate then? Yeah, you know, and you, and you look at it, and it's a small percentage, right? I mean, you're talking about 250-some sure. draft picks, and it's just a few that are going to sit out because you know why they're doing it? Because they can. They, there are those players that can control the narrative. And if you're going into an interview, wouldn't you like your interview to be in a position where you can put your best foot forward? And for these guys that don't have to perform at the Combine, their best interview is going to be their pro day. When all of a sudden these quarterbacks are thrown to their receivers, guys they know, routes they worked on, a script they have where a ball will rarely hit the ground on those things because they can control that narrative. So I have zero issue for anybody that says it's going to hurt their stock. I don't believe it at all. Uh, Bryce Young didn't perform last year at the Combine. How'd that hurt his stock? How'd that, how'd that go for him, going number one in the draft? So there are players that can do it. Uh, without question, say, I'm just going to go talk to teams, and that's it. That, that, that's between you, your agent, your family, the league, and understanding what you may be missing out on and what you may be protecting when you do it. But, Mike, you're right. It's, it's they're, they're playing their game, right? They're not playing the NFL's game. They're playing their game to put themselves in their best position. It's interesting with the quarterbacks, what we're talking about here, like you said, is not unprecedented. We saw this with Bryce Young last year where he only really went out and got measured at his pro day since the height was something that so many people were enamored with. Marvin Harrison Jr. becomes the interesting one because it sounds like he's not going to do anything in this process. He's basically staying at Ohio State, and they said he's getting ready to play football. Dad, you brought this up the other day. When you're training for all this stuff around Pro Day and Combine, it's not even just the drills. You're spending time working on interview strategy, what you're supposed to say in these closed-door meetings with teams when they ask you about certain things and all the weird prying questions we've heard. You're spending time on that stuff. All of your bandwidth is spent on stuff that's not going to make you a better football player. And so Marvin Harrison Jr. is saying, bump that. I'm going to go back here. I'm going to train for football because that's what y'all are about to pay me to do. And I'm not going to do any of the rest of this. It sounds like, Dad, he's not going to go to Indianapolis and take part in the medical evaluations, which some people that saw his knee almost or his uh, ankle almost get sawed off in the Notre Dame this yeah. game this last year might want to look at. He's not going to take part in the interview pro or I think he might take part in the interview process. But all the rest of the physical elements of it between his combine and it sounds like pro day, dad, he might punt on altogether, which brings me back to Jamar Chase and what we saw during the pandemic where we couldn't get in contact with a lot of these guys. I think that offseason is going to end up being instructive for some people going forward when they look at how you had to evaluate talent back then, pulling a lot more of it from the tape, using a lot more of the technological resources that you have, and in the case of Marvin Harrison Jr., just opening up your eyes and remembering he's better is better than almost everybody else is better. That makes this interesting, but Dad, I, I don't know. You, we, this can't really be a precedent that gets set because I can't imagine there's a lot of other Marvin Harrison Juniors in the pipeline. 
No, no, no. This is a year-to-year thing on who has already really proven themselves and is basically going to be locked in. Marvin Harrison is going to go to Indy. He's going to talk to teams. And that's what, that's what these guys do. They'll go be seen around the teams and talk to the teams and do some of the interviews. But there's no, there's no reason for him to perform for them. He has performed on the field at the highest level. Watch that. And then if you choose not to take him, that's on you. If you feel slighted because he's not playing your game and running your 40s and doing your vertical jump, and you say, well, if we can't get a look at him, we're not going to take him, that's on you. Good luck to you. This guy is going to go right where we all think he's going to go in the draft. But as I'll continue to say, it's a small percentage of players that do this. And a lot of times, it's going to be the quarterbacks who don't want to throw because you're throwing to wide receivers you've never worked with. And even though they say, don't worry about the completion, it's how, where the throw is. How did you throw? What did you see? How did you throw the ball? Quarterbacks, and I wouldn't either, aren't going to think that way. They think they got to throw a completion. And if this guy doesn't break on the end as fast as a guy that he's used to, all of a sudden, you know, he leads him too much and the, the pass doesn't look good, is that going to hurt him? So the top quarterbacks, I can see all the other quarterbacks that are going to go not in the first round, they need to throw. They need to go in there and kind of compete with everybody else and throw themselves into the fray. But this is never going to end. This is never going to end with these with some of these players saying, we don't, we don't want to participate in your game. Is it not sort of a turnoff, and I don't know if that's the right word, but to the teams at the top with this draft, like especially Caleb Williams, everybody's talking about the fact, is he a good leader? He seems to have a little bit of an emotional issue. He wants a lot of control coming out of college immediately into the NFL. And now he's like, well, no, I don't need to show you what I did. I just did it. Marvin Harrison Jr. is like, I don't need an agent. All of these things, is that not, for lack of a better term, sort of a turnoff to these NFL teams? It's it's the biggest thing out there, Claudia, that, that the NFL will let you say, oh, you're just hurting yourself by not doing our thing. And you know what I say to that? What I've done for years on the radio? <laughs> to that. All right? Well, you ain't that. hurting yourself right. at all. Okay? You are not hurting. Now, again, it depends on where you are. Okay? If you're a projected third rounder, yeah, you better show up and do your thing. You know, for Mike, who was undrafted, and me, a 10th rounder, you went and did, hey, uh, how high you need me to jump, sir? Okay, I'll jump that high. You know, but for these people at the top, they don't have to play the game. Mm. They don't have to play it. I don't, I, I, and, and you're going to hear that, Claudia. You're right. You're going to hear, well, they don't want to show what they can do or this skill or that skill. No, because they don't have to. So good on them, man. You do you. That's all I got to say. It, it's... It's funny. I think we might, we're probably going to be the first sports talk show to make this statement that is not working out at the combine in NFL ick. I feel like <laughs> no one on TikTok's even gotten to that point yet where we it's brought up NFL icks going into the draft. But I, I think the difference here, if we're going to use that comparison where it's a turnoff is, hey, the person you're talking to is a hot doctor though. Like they've got everything. And so you're not going to forsake everything just because they don't want to go for coffee at the place that you want to go to coffee to. They want to call the shots and go somewhere else. It's like, all right, well, you know what? Like he's in medical school. She's in medical school. They seem like they got their stuff together. I think we can make this work. And I think that's kind of how it is with these top prospects because yes, while they'd like to make you believe that there's some questions about that, ultimately it all pales in comparison to what's on the tape. And 
Dad, you're right. I, I think it's going to be interesting. While we said this isn't necessarily going to be a precedent for a lot of guys, I look at this year like the perfect dichotomy to do would be like the tackle class. Joe Walton, Olu Fashanu out of Penn State, both seen as like the consensus top two tackles, both guys top 10, top 15 picks. What do they really have to gain by working out at this point? Everyone kind of yeah. knows who and what they are right now. And so what would those dudes benefit from that versus maybe the edge rusher class where you're talking about a guy like Dallas Turner or Liatu Latu where it's a little bit more contested. That market can either drag you really up high or down a little bit lower. There might be some benefit to them going out and showing off the athletic gifts at a place like the Combine. And so I do think we could see in the future in a world in college football where we're seeing year after year more guys opting out, more guys choosing to forego the bowl game to protect their futures here. I do wonder if we might see some other other high-end top 10 prospects look at what Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing and say, yeah, I'll take some of that and do it on my own terms. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, if we're going to talk about high-end prospects skipping the combine, we might as well lean into more combine coverage around here. Yesterday, we did a little three-cone drill with you guys and gave you a few prospects we thought could break the bank and break our minds running at the NFL combine. Dad, now we'll head to the vertical jump and see who's in the potential spot to make the biggest leap this upcoming week at the combine right now. And what better place to stick than at quarterbacks where, like we had talked about with Claudia last segment, you've got guys like Caleb Williams and uh, Jaden Daniels that aren't going to be participating in certain events at the combine going to opt for their pro day. But dead the rest of this quarterback class becomes really compelling as we head into this weekend. You've got guys like JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr. And Bo Nix that are going to throw and compete at the combine. But of the rest of the list of quarterbacks for this upcoming year, and we've got guys like our own Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, Joe Milton at Tennessee, Spencer Rattler out of South Carolina, is there anyone that you look at, Dad, and has that potential to move into either maybe a day one pick or a guy that's all of a sudden a value on day two or day three that could really make an impact? Well, I think that that's, you know, we, we saw from a Brock Purdy. Now, we don't always expect that being Mr. Irrelevant, going all the way back to Tom Brady being in the sixth, sixth round and some of the great quarterbacks that weren't taken in the first round. And the value to them, you know, let's pick someone like a Sam Hartman who won't be a first-round quarterback. But when you're going later in the draft, you have the potential to go to a better team, just like Brock Purdy did, right? You know, where, where you're a smart quarterback with a good arm that can pick up a system, and then you go in and you flourish in the league like Purdy is doing. So that's the benefit 
to the quarterbacks that you've mentioned. No, I don't see any of them popping up to the first round uh, that you mentioned after the initial group. Um, and, 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 and that's okay. I, I think that's fine. I mean, second round, fourth round, fifth round, whatever at that point, now it, it's, it's the team because you see these top picks and who they're going to, uh, they're going to bad teams. You know, so if you go later in that draft, you could potentially go to a better team and sit for a little bit and kind of get the system, and that can help you. So um, for, from that group, I think it's fine to go later in the draft and kind of get your bearings a little bit because the guys that go in the beginning, you're going to be asked to do the job right away. And of that group, I mean, th there's a few question marks to me. I've seen all these guys. You obviously in college, calling college games have seen them more. Let me start with a Drake May. I see him throwing a lot of long balls. I know they needed to in Carolina, but he did do that. And it seems the short ball is more the way in the NFL. Now he throws a nice deep, you know, deep middle of the field, which the middle of the field or crossing routes in the NFL is monster nowadays. But, you know, we're just kind of slotting Drake May in there. Is that a concern for you at all that it's a lot of deep balls and that's just not the NFL today? No, because I think it still could be. And having a quarterback who's got great deep ball accuracy and touch the way he does, I think is always something you'd like to start with there. So Drake, I mean, the only concern for me is that he had to do so much of it under duress there. And maybe do you internalize bad habits like we've talked about with Caleb Williams too. So I, I going through and watching these guys, Dad, I feel really good about Caleb and Drake as 1-2 and really 1-A-1-B as far as the quarterbacks you're going to evaluate there. I do think there's a little gap with Jaden Daniels at the third spot there. And then after that becomes really interesting, and this is kind of the area where we talk about guys who could potentially be risers. J.J. McCarthy's been the first name out of everyone's mouth here because yep. Jim Harbaugh's been telling everyone he's the best quarterback in this draft and the best quarterback in Michigan history because he's toolsy. Because I think, quite honestly, Dad, Kurt Warner brought it up the other day online it's difficult to evaluate a lot of quarterbacks now because you're not watching them run a lot of NFL stuff in college. People have had this reckoning with the USC offense as they've evaluated Caleb Williams. I've seen a lot of draft Twitter looking at USC and what Lincoln Riley was running there and going, what the hell are we doing with this style of offense? And so if everyone reckons with that, I do think there's something to the fact that you're going to look at a guy like J.J. McCarthy who ran, for lack of a better term, a grown-up offense at Michigan with a lot of the things you're asked to do before the snap, with some of the formations they use, getting him under center. It's a little bit easier to project. Even if, Dad, I just look and you go back and watch him, there's not enough reps at a lot of the things that you want to see out of a quarterback where right. there is some inconsistency that shows up in certain places. But, man, there are some high-level throws, throws under duress like we talked about with Caleb and Drake where this guy does a few things physically every game that only a handful of guys can do so I understand what's enticing even if for me I wouldn't be comfortable staking my job on it the first round yeah I, I agree with you he's shown enough to say boy this could be something at the next level but not in a great quantity unlike a like a Michael Penix who is throwing the ball all yeah. over the yard I still think Penix has such maybe the best you know touch of anybody out there. Now there's concern over what he does when he's under pressure, and we've seen uh, him struggle there, but I'm a huge Penix fan. I, I think he's going to do well at the next level. The J.J. McCarthy one, I'm with you, is kind of the biggest head-scratcher because he hasn't been asked to do a ton of it, and he'll be asked to do it a lot more at the next level. Uh, so I, I, I don't know, because I'm with you. I don't know if I could stake my 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 prediction on that and say yeah i i'm gonna take this guy 
you know, in the top 10 of the draft and make him my quarterback. I'm just, I'm just not sure, but he certainly seems to be impressing people left and right. I mean, there's, all, you know, Joe Milton with the strong arm, the kid from Tennessee. Spencer oh. Rattler, we all thought was going to be this top quarterback, you know, and, and he's, you know, shifted teams and faded down a little bit. So for these guys to go and, and take whatever you want from the combine or from the pro day, but you're going to get, you know, a couple of handfuls of quarterbacks who are going to go there and really try and prove something at the combine. Let me tell you what. First off, Spencer Rattler, you mentioned, he has got an absolute howitzer strapped to his shoulder. Like, yeah. if he's throwing at the combine, I haven't looked. I'm assuming he is. Watching that thing come out is different. That guy throws the ball like he wants to hurt everyone catching it. But Joe Milton's the one. College football fans, we've been doing the Joe Milton dance for years now, where every offseason we watch him throw an orange 300 yards or do a backflip, and we all lose our freaking yeah, mind. Yeah. He's Anthony Richardson-level physical talent but we never really saw it come together. And the NFL, I mean, he's going to blow up the combine. I would not be stunned if he's a massive story right. coming off the combine because he does a bunch of very freaky stuff there, but it's always proceed with caution on that one. The name that you mentioned, Dad, that I think is most interesting in the Brock Purdy effect era where people, I wonder, are going to look at some more veteran quarterbacks if you can get it a little bit more value. Michael Penix Jr. is the one that jumps to me. And I saw the yep. other day... Um, I think it might have been Jim Nagy, the uh, the former scout, obviously the head of the senior Reese's Senior Bowl, point out that said if an NFL team's really sure on a guy, like especially a wide receiver, they're all kind of secretly hoping he runs slow at the combine so that other teams kind of go off the scent. And they know, hey, game speed's faster than that. We don't have to worry about that stuff, but other people obsessed with the measurables are going to be turned off by that. I do wonder if there's a good gaggle of NFL teams that were secretly pretty thrilled at how Michael Penix Jr. came back down to earth a little bit in the national championship game versus remember the conversations we were having after they beat Texas in the college football semifinal. Where, wow, my God, yep. why isn't Michael Penix Jr. being talked about for the number one quarterback? And how did you all miss this? A bunch of people who had never watched Washington telling people who had watched Washington what they missed not watching Washington. All of that suddenly comes back down to earth. And now you've got a guy that I don't think is going to be a first rounder. Like you've mentioned, there could be five quarterbacks taken in the first round. I really don't know with Michael Penix Jr.'s injury history, two shoulder injuries, two knee injuries. I don't know yeah. if anyone's going to be comfortable yeah. enough with those medicals in the first round, but all of a sudden he starts to slip a little bit and you've got a guy that's running an offense that was so sexy. The Seahawks decided to call Ryan Grubb up from Alabama where he had just been getting settled in to bring him up there. He's run NFL stuff. He's thrown to NFL receivers. The stuff under pressure is somewhat of a concern, but he's operated yeah. offenses that require a lot of you from the neck up. I do think he could be one of those guys where, hey, you get him into the right situation and a veteran player yep. who might have some physical limitations at this point because of injury all all of a sudden could have a chance to pop. I, I'm a big fan of his. I, I, I'm with you. That's the guy I'm looking at to see what happens with him. I just picked an arbitrary mock draft because everybody does one. And the latest one I looked at has five quarterbacks going in the first round. The three we keep talking about, and then J.J. McCarthy and Bo, Bo Nix. Watch for a quarterback. Watch for a team to move up into the back half of the first round and grab a quarterback as well. Because remember, there's a difference. That first round... It's four years with an option. So you get that quarterback on the fifth-year option as well. So sometimes that's why you'll see a guy, a team jump up into the back of the first round and grab one to get that possible extra year with them.
I'm not saying he'll be in that spot. Other guy to watch, Michael Pratt out of Tulane. Got better every year there. Big kid, 6'3", 220, can move around a little bit. It's an exciting class once you get outside of even the top four or top five guys uh, as we head into Combine Week here in the NFL. Thank you.